Welcome into the All 22 Daily. I'm Chris Lombardi and I have Ray Cotto. Today we are going to look at the offensive line class starting at tackle. Ray, kick us off. Tell us about Paris Johnson Jr. Yeah, Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, is just over six foot six, three hundred thirteen pounds. Has like an incredible wingspan, like seven foot one, uh, thirty six inch arms, super long arms, uh, and just kind of the the prototype build of an offensive tackle. Everything you're looking for as far as the traits go. He's got all the traits: uh, length, light feet, big frame, good agility. Uh, can be a bit inconsistent at times. Uh, sometimes he's late to sort of recognize stunts from the inside or some gap exchanges, which is actually a problem I saw with uh, Tristan Wirfs coming out from Iowa. And so, as you might imagine, that's not the worst deal in the world because look at Tristan Wirfs now. Um, on one play, he'll get to the outside shoulder of, of the defensive end and just sort of bury him right. He can scoop, reach because of that agility. But then on the very next play, he'll stop his feet and pass protection and give up the corner when there's no need for it. Um, but his long arms will then go and bail him out, right? Which goes back to those traits that uh, we just mentioned. Uh, basically, when he's when he's locked in, he's a high-level pass protector, uh, agile enough when zone blocking to beat the defender to the spot and then wall him off. It's a beautiful thing to watch. He can bend at the knees a little bit better and not be so top-heavy at times, but that's a bit nitpicky uh, if, if we're just getting down to it. So, uh, again, he's... I think if he goes to a team with a veteran quarterback that can point things out pre-snap, that can make things a bit easier for him as a young tackle to not think so much. Uh, but at the same token, even if he is late to recognize, he will look for work. So I think to summarize, he's got the typical traits you see from the number one offensive tackle in a draft class with the number two sort of tape to go with it. So still some room to grow there to reach his ceiling, but he's got everything you're looking for. So when I look at Paris Johnson, I, I feel very nitpicky. Like, I feel like I'm being very nitpicky when I kind of like watch his tape. The size is great, like you said, but like I'm nitpicky on that too. Like if you're 6'6 six, six and only 3'13 three thir three thirteen or something like that, that's to me, that's still kind of slender. And I want, like, I feel like there's room for 10, 15 pounds on his frame. Um, the biggest flaw I kind of saw was like his use of leverage for, for us, for his size, right? He's a big dude. He didn't get leverage often. He just is bigger and stronger than most people. So like he can, he can out, out muscle them, but I want it like in the NFL at the next level, I want to see that leverage. So like, is that something you think he can do? Can he get that? I think leverage is always going to be something that's uh, not a negative with this game, but it's not going to be what he hangs his hat on. Right. I think that kind of goes back to the bend. Uh, I was, cause I, cause you pick that up when you're watching his tape, right? I noticed that too. It's like, okay, just, just bend. Why are you? Why are you sort of forward leaning here? Why? Why are you not sort of getting right into the, the the defender's chest, getting under his pads, and and really driving him downfield? And it's it's that bend. I don't think he's necessarily a stiff athlete because he he is agile side to side and he moves and gets to the spot well. But I I just don't think he's a great knee bender. Um, so I think yeah I think it's I think that's a negative to his game. I don't think it's something that's going to cause him to not be a good player, but. Um, yeah, I think it's something that that's never going to be his, his best trait. And the other thing I see is if you're that big, you should be taking advantage of smaller guys at the college level. Like you should be brutalizing them. And I almost never saw that. 
that was another thing that to me is a little bit concerning because at the next level, there aren't going to be smaller guys that you can just win with just because you're bigger. So like, does he have that in him? Does he have that kind of like, I'm bigger than you, I'm stronger than you, and I'm just going to ruin you? Does he have that in him? Maybe. Or maybe he's just bored. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you, like, you know, we, we both played corner. You played corner in college. You know, when you're just like physically just better than the guy across from you, you just, you get a little never. bored, right? It happens. That's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He's, he's not, he's not that nasty finisher. He's not right. I think, I think if he had the bend and he was that nasty finisher, like if you look at last year's class, how Ikeem Aquana was just nasty, right? Mm-hmm. Then sort of that end statement I made as far as, yeah, he's got the traits of an OT1, but the tape of an OT2, he would have the tape of an OT1 and it would be a no-brainer. I think that's why uh, that those those couple things that are missing from Paris Johnson is what causes people to sort of look at this draft class and go, hey, there's not that super-duper stud at the top. And that's why this offensive tackle class feels like it's lacking a little bit is because it's like you watch someone like Paris Johnson and you're so close to going, I checked every single box, but you're just not there yet. And he's he's young, right? He's a third-year player, uh, early entrance into the draft. So it's possible that that's something that just develops, right? You just you become a grown man. You realize what it is to to be a professional and what is needed to make it at this level, and you <clears throat> you develop that, or you just sort of stay as this. I'm I'm very athletic and I do my job very well, but I just never take that next step to being dominant like I could be. It's it's either or, right? I think that's the the question that needs to be answered uh, from Paris Johnson and what you want to figure out when he gets into the league. But again, by and large, it's a high level prospect. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's, it's, this class was tough, right? When you look at like the body of work of this class uh, at the tackle position, you, you don't really see a guy that stands out and you're like, wow, that's, that is tackle number one. But you might have like five or six guys that are tackle two to six, right? And it's 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 tricky when when you're watching that film because you have to be so nitpicky to find those things that differentiate them and and to like rank them. Because at the end of the day, like they, they all have some good traits, they all have some really bad traits, and it's it's a little bit of a crapshoot. So you had mentioned Tristan Wirfs. I know you're not a comp guy, but like, is there a player whose game you think he looks like, or even would like I would say. Uh, another question, if you don't want to give me the comp, is what level of prospect is he? He could be a pro bowler, a legitimate pro bowler, not like, you know, fifth alternate because everybody else just decided not to go because it's not worth it anymore. He's a legit pro bowler. Is he a Tyron Smith? No. Is he a a now Tristan Wirfs, right, to bring him up? I don't think so. I don't think he's got that... Uh, that next level sort of just strength, you know, vice grip, stop you in your tracks type uh, down to down ability. I don't, I don't think he's got that, but I think he's the next tier down from elite where very good pro bowl level type player. If he's bringing it every Sunday and he's locked in, I think he's at that level. Yeah. So eight out of 10. Don't ask me for a specific comp, but yeah. No, no, no. That's, 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 that's great. And like I said, like this class is kind of, strange where there's guys with some really high-end skills, but they're low somewhere else. And then somebody else might be the exact flip. And I feel like that's what I'm doing with Peter Skaronsky. So 21-year-old out of Nebraska, he's 6'4", 313, which, you know, on paper, you're like, okay, that's that's not bad. It's not terrible size. It's not great size, but it's not terrible size. Um, 
His athletic testing at the combine was great. He had his broad jump and vertical jump in the top 95% of prospects and his 30 reps on bench just kind of added to that a nice addition. But everybody's talking about his 32 and a half inch arms, right? Which is like bottom 4% of, of tackles in the NFL. And there was only two tackles last year that played snaps at tackle with that arm length. So that's incredibly short. It's a, it's a big problem. So where Paris Johnson is the extreme where he's the perfect size, you're then looking at Skronsky and saying, this is the undersized guy. Um, but I want to talk about his film and it's interesting. So PFF actually has Skronsky as their number one tackle prospect. That's, that's not going to be the same for me, but you know, that just goes to show that his film, what he put up on tape was very impressive. So there's a game last year that I want to point out was his game against Michigan, where he faced Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo on every single snap, basically. And he did really well against both of them, right? So that's, that's you as a sophomore, you're 20 years old, maybe even 19, don't remember, but you're, you're going against two kind of first round NFL prospects and Aiden Hutchinson ended up going top five. And he held his own. So there was plays against the run where you actually saw him driving these guys down the field. And then on pass plays, you can see Hutchinson with his length, trying to use that, doing spin moves, trying to swim. And Skaronsky just was super patient, held his own and kept Hutchinson away from the quarterback. So some, some of the best tape of a tackle prospect I've seen in terms of of what he was bringing to the table against NFL talent as a young guy. He finished that game with a 72.5 grade, but still sophomore against NFL prospects. That's pretty damn good. And then on the flip side, there's tape this year against Ohio State and Penn State, which was his top two. Um, what I would say is his top two games of the year. And he did really poorly. He had under sub 60 grading in both of those games. When I watch tackle prospects, I usually see them win either with their size, with their technique, or with their athleticism. I don't see any of that from Skaronsky. What I see from Skaronsky is he's kind of like a wide receiver. He wins with his subtleness. And that was kind of strange for me to see. So like a wide receiver does, like you, you kind of have to be an assassin, right? When, when somebody has a good jump on you, you know, bam, your hand's in his chest and the guy doesn't see it coming. Or on pull plays, when you're running down the field, and uh, you're getting ready to kill somebody. He, he actually wouldn't, right? He would stop in the hole. He'd put his body in perfect position. And he would he would just be a barrier, right? Like the running back would have this great lane. And Skaronsky would just be there. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't brutalize anybody. But his body was just in perfect position. Again, like an assassin. He's just getting to the places he needs to be. And then subtly killing you. So I really liked that aspect of his game. Um, the other things, like swim moves. Somebody does a swim move against him. He's not, he's not like popping them. He's not doing that. He's absorbing them again, like an assassin. Like, you know, he has, he's strangling you and just like letting you fall into them. Like it's, it's an interesting film because it's kind of nothing I've seen before, but basically what I would say is it's kind of the play of a guard. Like it's not a play of a tackle. That's not how tackles in the NFL win. It's more like how guards win. And I see that for him. Um, I think he can play guard at a really high level. Uh, he, he his arm length is a concern for me. There were plays. Uh, there was a play <laughs> against Iowa, and uh, the guy got his hands on him, uh, Van Ness, and just blew him up. Right, and his arms are twice as long as Skaronsky's. Blew him up, and knocked him on his butt. Uh, that's going to be a problem in the NFL for Skaronsky if he stays to tackle. But his subtleness, 
that's that's how guards win in the NFL, and I really like that for him. So I would say if he was a if he was a guard in this year's class, he would be my number one guard. If he was a tackle, he might be three or four for me, and that's that's in a class where there's not number one tackles, in my opinion. So all in all, that's that's kind of what I think. Ray, did you see his film? So you're saying he's not uh, Rashawn Slater? He is not Rashawn Slater. No. Oh, okay. J- just just making sure. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> Might have heard that once or twice before the season. Um, <clears throat> so Skaronsky, I will start with the good, right? Going to my nose. So Peter Skaronsky, pretty good awareness on gap exchanges and stunts. Technically sound on those. Works his inside hand well. So when rushers try to get tricky and go back inside or hit a spin move, he's ready for it. On reaches and pulls, he shows good movement to get to the spot. Great. Everything else. Gives up the outside shoulder and loses the corner too easily. Good edge rushers defeat his hands because of his short arms and he does not fight the elbows to recover. Northwestern chips with their running backs a lot and lines up tight ends on the wing for some more assistance. And he still gets beat around the corner even with that. There's a play against Penn State, which was in a rainstorm just to set the stage, right? In a rainstorm. So if there's a heavy rainstorm where the field is pretty slick, that really neutralizes a pass rush, right? Just think about the Super Bowl and how people were talking about how those field conditions uh, really uh, sort of negated the pass rush of each team, right? So there's this play against Penn State in a rainstorm. The rusher slips and falls onto the ground, gets up, and still gets to Skaronsky's back hip to turn the corner and set the edge. And Skaronsky had never disengaged. Not like the defender fell and then he kind of you know let up because, oh, the defender fell and then he just kind of got caught flat-footed. No, no, no. He was engaged the whole time. The defender fell, got up, and still was able to turn the corner on Skaronsky. He's light in the ass, no sand in his pants, short arms, no power, can't anchor well, no punch, only catches. If it's a run play right behind him, he will get stood up and shed because of short arms and poor anchor. Northwestern helps a lot. Mentioned that already. So with that, I don't like the switch to guard and in fact, think a switch to center might be the best move for him because his movement is above average and he wins with positioning, but that's it. Needs to win with positioning, cuts off the backside on stretch runs very well. Potential uh, pulling ability at center opens up a lot of other things in the run game. So he's just the kind of player that I, I wouldn't draft personally if you're talking about tackle. I think I think the arm length is not there and the wingspan is so short that it's just hard to consistently win and not give up the corner against grown ass edge rushers in the NFL. Just I just don't think he's physically up for that task. And at tackle, it's not that he's a weak player, or excuse me, at guard, it's not that he's a weak player, but I need powerful players on the interior of the offensive line, especially at guard, and I just don't think he's powerful. So honestly, I watch him and I'm like, I think this guy might be a center. Will a team make him a center? I don't know. Others look at this and go, okay, but he's still graded very well, yada, yada. I mean, that grading in college and your translatability into the NFL are two very different things. So if someone comes to me and says, well, look, this is this is all 22. We're talking about PFF grading, and you got Peter Skorotsky, who was the highest graded pass blocker. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean anything in college once you make the move to the NFL. Two different games, you have to be able to translate that. I mean, I could show you Calvin Throckmorton from Oregon a couple of years back who had three straight years of fantastic grades in college and everyone thought he was going to go into the NFL and be some sort of sleeper in this game. And he's been anything but. He had like a 34 overall grade last year in 2022 with the with the Saints. So you can't just 
extract the grade from college, project it to the NFL and go from there. There's a lot of things that I look at Skaronsky and I just go, this does not translate. And if, if it does, if you want to take his best traits and translate them to the NFL, to me, I see a center. I, I, I don't know what, what else to say. I, I won't feel comfortable at tackle. I don't think he's got the anchor, the strength, the ability at guard. I have no idea if he could snap a step, but physically I see a center. That's crazy interesting. So, I mean, what you said about PFF grading, I agree and I disagree. I think it's never a bad sign when you, when you have good grading in college. I think what, what we need to look at and what we kind of talked about earlier is how did he fare against the teams that actually had NFL talent, right? And that was Michigan, that was Ohio State, that was Penn State. One out of three, he had a good game. The other two, it was, it was miserable, right? So I think that says a lot. You, I, I think I agree with your take on center in that I was talking about subtleness. You're talking about positioning, but I think it's the same thing. It's he puts his body in places to win, but he's not winning with athleticism, strength, leverage, anything like that. He's just putting himself in position consistently. And he does that at a really high level. I guess the reason I I've stayed away from center is because is there going to be a team in the NFL that sees a guy with everybody's projecting as first round tackle grade and putting him not a guard, but all the way to center. Like when does the first center go in drafts second, late second, third round. So will it, will a team make a commitment to a guy like this in the first round? To move him to center? No, but this goes back to teams not knowing how to draft very well. I mean, it, it happens all the time. Half these teams, there's no special sauce, right? If, if you got the tape and, and the ability to sit down and just watch and, you know, record all your observations and the time to put into it, there's no special sauce that these guys have that you don't as far as intellect goes. They just might have access to a little more information than, you know, you and I and the layman do. But um, other than that, no, I, I don't think so. I think, I think someone really has to think outside the box and I just don't see that, at least early in his career. You never know later on what could happen, right? I mean, Connor Williams coming into the league a few years ago was thought of as a tackle guard sort of similarly. And I think now he's the center for the Dolphins, right? Four years later. So it can happen, right? It might not happen right away. And it might not even happen with this first team, but it's, it's a possibility. And I think, and again, I just don't see the upside, the ceiling. I don't see how it works. And that doesn't mean it won't, right? This is just me from my perspective. I just don't see how it works if he stays at tackle and I'm not convinced it'll work at guard, but I see upside at center. So uh, that might take a few years, but that's just how I see it. So elite center potential, maybe league average guard potential, and then below average tackle potential. Yeah. Yeah. I say that. Yeah. I, and I agree. So we talked about Paris Johnson. We're talking about Skaronsky. Tomorrow we'll dive in a little deeper, maybe into two other tackle prospects, but TBD who those will be. And thank you everyone for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all 22 underscore PFF and leave a review wherever you listen in, whether YouTube, Apple, whatever that is. So thank you everyone. Have a great day.